All right, here we are. Everybody, welcome back to the Hit Factor. If you've not tuned in before, this is a competitive shooting podcast. We talk about other things sometimes as well. Um, today, we have Jared Fox, Jeremy Reed, and myself, Jeff Coffin. Uh, we have a couple of different things to talk about. First, Jared wants to give us uh, a live update on how his weekend went in reloading. Yes, it went wonderful this weekend. I started out on, uh, I think about Wednesday, I noticed that my shell plate was damaged for my 1050. So I got a new one. With that, I decided to readjust all the dies. So on a Friday night, the first thing I did was to, when I went to readjust, I lowered the... Uh, the entire tool head down on my 1050 and popped a primer <laughs> right, right in my face. Great start. Then I was uh, readjusting the uh, primer backup die and I twisted off a little socket head cap screw at it. It was a bear to get out with a left <laughs> drill bit. Oh my um, let's see. And then uh, I also, I used the uh, Dylan primer tube filler and in one of the refills, I didn't get the pin in it all the way. So when I put it back on the on the primer tube filler, it popped out and shot off the side. I didn't notice. So I filled an entire tube of 100 primers just down through the tube and back onto the, my bench. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were off to a wonderful start. Um, I also tore down the entire press and cleaned it in this process, which if you have a 1050 taking out the... The, the shaft and everything in it is a pain in the ass. So did all that. And then while I was loading on my 1050, while it was running on the automation, I decided that I would load a few rounds on my 550 at the same time since I was standing there not doing anything. And I put an entire new tube of 100 primers in it. And like the fourth wad, when I see the primer, the handle went too far forward. <laughs> and I noticed that I broke like the base of the press like for the handle off. A Only very, a Sasquatch would do that. Very productive reloading weekend. And somehow with all of these issues, I still managed to load like eight gallons of ammo. Eight gallons of nine mil? Mm-hmm. So that's like 10,000 rounds. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm up to like 27,000 loaded for the year so far. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Jeff, so... how much have you loaded on... Your press this year. This year? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I would guess like four or 5,000. And you probably spent more time doing that than Jared way more. did. Yeah. Way on more. his 27,000. Yeah, I did. Way more for sure. So oh, was I... there a, uh, a good amount of more uh, profanity in your household this weekend? No, see, whenever whenever I set the primer off in my face, I just stopped and went and got a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I decided to come back to it later. But I, I also forgot that sometime during the process of, like, working on the press, I, I bumped the uh, bullet sensor and knocked it out of alignment. So, I, like, bullets toppled when it was rotating a couple of times and, like, crushed them back into the case and hard stopped the press probably like a half a dozen times before I noticed the sensor was knocked out of alignment. That's not fun when it does that. No. 
I, I have to agree with Jason on, on, on the thing that if I could afford to, I would absolutely shoot factory ammo like loading socks. I mean, I think, yeah, I think every, anybody would, would do that. Uh, yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. That would be, that would be awesome. But reloading is really cool at first. And then it's like necessity. And you, then you just like kind of hate it. Yeah, that is kind of an interesting progression. Like you, you do start out with reloading, like, oh, this is cool. I'm making my own ammo. And you're like, yeah. this, is, this is cool. Like you got all these like different recipes that you're tinkering with and you're, you know, you're all messing with it. And then after a while, it's just like, okay, if I want to do the thing that I want to do, I have to go spend like a couple hours in the reloading room to do that. And then I got to, pick up brass and then polish brass and clean brass and buy ammo and then scrounge the internet for powder and primers and try to find deals on that and yeah it becomes becomes a huge mess yeah i also i also broke like three decapping pins in the process through this weekend oof that's annoying Oh my gosh! It, 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 one of them was like bent so bad that when it broke off, I couldn't like straighten it out to get it out of the pin holder. That I had to cut the tip of it off with a Dremel to be able to get it out too. It was just yeah. Oh. And, and in the process of uh, resetting up my press, I almost forgot about this fun part. I needed to make a new nine millimeter case to set the swage and the backup die with. So I put a piece of brass in the vise and was cutting it with a Dremel because that was like the only thing I had to cut that angle out so you could see it. And when I cut off the little piece of brass, it fell and landed on my foot and gave me like a second degree burn on my toe. Why are you in your shop with open toes? I'm in my home office and reloading room. Why are you in there with open toes? Because Sasquatch don't wear shoes. Well, you should have had enough hair on the top of your feet to handle that. It, it burned through the hair. Oh, that's so all, all, all in all, a very productive weekend reloading. Yeah, sounds like a sounds like a great day in practical pistol shooting, right there. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy, with uh, your experience in shops and welding with guns and stuff. What have you had like a really bad uh, burn from welding? Uh, I've given myself like pretty bad like like sunburns. Oh yeah. Like 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 I've TIG welded for like a couple hours and like like on the inner part of like my bicep, yeah. Like where there's no shirt covering it and it never gets any sun and you don't really you don't notice it you don't think about it at all and then mm-hmm. like that night and you just look down and it's like oh that's gonna blister like that's. Yeah. Like that's really bad. Uh, but I've, I've a couple times I've, I've, I've got into lo- some hot metal, but not like, not like bad burn. Um, but I also don't walk around with like flip flops on in places mm-hmm. with hot metal either. So there is that. I've melted some five eleven pants. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've melted a lot of things, but, uh, but the better, the worst, uh, like flash burn i've gotten is i was welding in like a cutoff oh, and, no. <laughs> dude, right, right here like right right above my armpits right there 
That little meaty spot right to the in the outside of the chest right there. Dude, it burned so freaking bad on oh, both, both sides. It, it was like peeling and blistered up. And then the worst like piece of like slag burn that I've had is I was yeah. lying I was lying underneath my Jeep and I was welding overhead. And uh, <laughs> like a pretty solid piece burned through like both my shirts and settled itself in my belly button and it, <laughs> it just dude it just sat in there and cooked until it was not hot enough to cook anymore i could not get it out oh no so for like a couple weeks there was some nasty stuff coming out of the belly button <laughs> oh wow that's where you wished you had an outie yeah no then it wouldn't have sucked in there oh my goodness that sounds miserable luckily with tig welding i don't i don't do a lot of stick welding anymore so most of my stuff is tig uh and you don't get all that you don't get a bunch of splatter and stuff like that with tig unless you're doing it really 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 poorly nice yeah so okay so you guys have a match coming up like first real match of the year uh which is cool you'll have ozarks right mm -hmm. yeah so, ozarks, ozarks classic i think is what it's called are you all ready for it yes yeah i'm pretty stoked about it and jason's going to mm -hmm. but all three of y'all are shooting different divisions is that correct i think so yeah Jeff, are you shooting major or minor single stack? Major. I don't even have a minor gun. I think is that oh that Dan Weston's a forty. Yeah, I have two forties. I had a Rock Island that I shot for two years, but I robbed a lot of parts off of it, so it's just like a bag <laughs> a bag of random pieces now. Yeah, that one doesn't really count as a. That didn't ever count it as a as a real gun anyway. I shot it uh, for two years. It shot great. So. So oh, after, <laughs> with you just didn't know any better. With all the with all the cancellations that we've had this year, I'm I'm pretty excited for the first match. And actually, uh, this weekend is Ozark Classic, and then the weekend after is actually the Arkansas Sectional. So my uh, my first majors are going to be back to back in the year. Nice. So y'all feel? I mean, Jeff, have you shot a match of any kind this year? I haven't in a couple of months, no. And I'm not I'm not even gonna get like a club match in before this one. So that's a little fun. But practice has been going pretty awesome in the last couple of weeks, so I'm excited. So what has made why has practice been awesome? I don't know. I uh I went on like a weekend getaway and just like got away from my phone and everything. And somehow that kick-started some motivation for me. Like, when I got back, I just I wanted to tear into it again. I'd kind of, I was feeling a little burnout before that. And when we got back, I was just, like, a lot more motivated. So it's been dry fire every day and getting out to the range more. Been diving into some, kind of trying to revamp, uh, my recoil management uh oh so yeah just like finding something new to to dig into 
is kind of stirring up some motivation for me. So, so what have you been doing for recoil management to try and improve it? We want to get get into this. We want to get into that. I mean, it wasn't on the menu for tonight, but oh, that's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's so, all right. So there's this this concept everybody talks about that it doesn't matter which way the gun recoils as long as it returns, right? So some people will say that. Yeah. So that's that's a a theory. Uh, so I've kind of always read into that theory and been like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. So then I mentioned it to you guys the other day. Uh, I had just finished shooting and I I messaged our group chat and I said that the gun pretty much recoiled different every time I pulled the trigger. And uh, and I, I remember Jeremy coming back with saying uh, he thought it was very related to the trigger press, like how the gun would recoil. And I didn't think that really made a lot of sense, but uh, I do now. So also with recoil management, I've been working on my trigger press. And so what I'm trying to do is make my trigger press consistent, and I want the gun to recoil like perfectly straight up and down every time. But it's also changed the way I hold the gun because uh, before I would kind of hold the gun. You know, you'll see some people kind of they'll hold the gun canted uh, to the right or to the left when they shoot mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've always been someone right-handed. The gun kind of cants to the right a bit. Uh, anyway, I have found that I shoot a lot more accurate at distance and I can make follow-up shots quicker if I make myself hold the gun completely straight up and down and press the trigger in a way that the gun recoils straight up and down and it comes right back down. Anyway, so it's all kind of uh, new at this point, but the gun is functioning and I'm shooting exactly how I want to. So I'm just like getting the reps in, trying to burn that in to where that's how I shoot. So you said that your trigger manipulation is affecting how it's recoiling as far as like if it's moving left or right in recoil and that sort of stuff. So what are you, are you doing something different on your trigger press than what you were doing before? Yeah, pretty much. I've kind of got away from uh, slapping so much. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of taking a, uh, a little bit away from what we've heard uh, Eric, Eric Grafell talk about. How he, not exactly, because he talks about like getting his finger all the way in there and he like doesn't even pull back. He kind of presses sideways on his trigger. And like, I'm not really doing that, but I'm getting way more of the finger in there. And it's, uh, it's more of a, a squeeze per se than a, a slap. And, you know, I was kind of figuring out when we were doing that drill at 40 yards like that kind of that kind of showed me what a good press needed to be which i hadn't really figured out until then or i hadn't figured out how bad my press was i guess yeah until we did that and i was like "Hmm, man my press is pretty bad 
So then I started messing with it up closer and saw good results using that same press for the long shot for the up close stuff. It's just kind of like a, just a lot less finger movement, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's more the fingers deeper into the trigger guard and it's a lot more squeezing than slapping or jerking. Uh, yeah. So how you say your fingers, like what part of your finger is on the pad of the trigger? It's probably like, like right up against that first crease. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. You are getting away in there. Yeah. So that's what I've been messing with. So yeah, basically the last two weeks, I've revamped my grip, trigger press, and recoil management. Like everything's kind of new. That'll be interesting to see how that does under match pressure. Yeah, I, I don't really expect it to go perfect uh, this quickly, but I I am excited to 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 keep going with it and uh, see if I can get myself to stick to it because I have been shooting a lot a lot better with that. Yeah, practice yeah. has just been going fantastic. So do you, I mean, so you're talking about recoil control. Do you feel like you are minimizing the recoil or you're just making it more predictable? It's predictable. That's the thing. Yeah. It's okay. not, it's not that there's less recoil. It, it might recoil more. I don't, I don't really know. And I don't really care. Uh, the main thing is that I want it to be so predictable uh, that it's like, at, you know, at this distance, I know in this amount of time, the site's going to be exactly back where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can get that, if you can get that down, then the, this, the game becomes much easier. Yeah. So that's, that is the, that was kind of the whole thinking, uh, is just making recoil like stupid predictable. And it's yeah. never been that way for me. The whole time I've done this, it's always been, you know, the grip is always a little different. The recoil is always a little different. Slapping the trigger makes it recoil a little different. Uh, but I'm, I'm wanting to dial it all in uh, so that recoil is predictable. Yeah. And I mean, in my experience, like, that's like, you'll never stop working on that. Like, it, like it's, it's going well now. Like, it seems like it's going straight now. And then it may go to crap in like another couple of weeks and you'll have to like figure yeah. out what you did different or what you changed, what, what you overemphasized, and then you got to figure it back out again. Well, that's uh, the thing is I've, I've never worked on, like I've never had that idea Yeah. Right, to, to make recoil predictable and consistent. It's always been try to minimize recoil. That's mm -hmm. kind of always been my, my thinking. And it's always yeah. been like, you know, trying to hold the gun down. Yeah. Uh, and you get a lot of other issues going on. But yeah, this is the first time that I've kind of thought of it that way to just be like, just predict it. Know, know what it's going to do. It's okay. Like you're just managing it. You know, you're not controlling it. You're just managing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so, that's pretty common thinking. the The idea that we're just going to reduce, re we're going to make our guns flat like Jared's, uh, and if we can do that, then we'll be good. Right. Um, 
Yeah. And, and that's well, not. I, do, I mean, hold on to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just. He's just like. Yeah. I just put a couple fingers on it, and it just stays there. Like, it's just easy. Uh, yeah. But like, I I grip the hell out of it. Like I like I think that Jared might be. I don't know. But if I, I think of it that way, I'm like, man, I'm gonna grip the hell out of it, and this gun's not gonna freaking move. Like the recoil is gonna be worse because the gun is. I'm gonna stop it. You know, it's not gonna come back. But you you can't stop it both ways. There's too much force, too quick, going both directions. So it's gonna be bad one way or the other. Yeah, especially a major gun in a single sack. Uh, and your single sack's not particularly heavy either. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the harder guns to control. My gun's just a wimpy little 9mm, so it doesn't recoil anyways. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've seen a limited gun in your hands, and it looks the same. So <laughs> I don't think it matters what gun you're shooting. Yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm a little bit glad to hear that you're at least getting somewhat the same results as far as your trigger press affecting how the gun recoils. Um, I think that's something people kind of they think of trigger control as only needed for accurate shots and otherwise just kind of do whatever. And I think yeah. it affects more than just where that first bullet goes. I think it I think it has a, a bigger effect on it than that. Yeah. Also, I had this. I had to do something because Jason was starting to make fun of me for shooting low left all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Just adjust your sights. Yeah. So, talking on the uh, whole practice thing, like I've definitely changed a little bit of stuff up in my practice recently as well. Not so much in what I'm doing, but how I'm approaching things. Um, I didn't. It didn't dawn on me until. so my friend Matt finally decided that he would actually start dry firing. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he, he mentioned on the uh, on one of the other podcasts whenever they were asking him about uh, how he's doing it is that he's setting a timer, and I used to do that and I kind of got away from it to just essentially just doing a drill for a while until I felt like it had been a little while and then look at the time like okay I'll move on to the next thing. Normally around five minutes per drill, but after I heard him talk about it, it made me think that. Uh, recently probably the last month or so my dry fire hadn't been nearly as focused as it would be when i use a timer so that i'm just like i'm zoned in on exactly what i'm doing for the time i'm doing it and then i kind of have a break in between it it was just you know go down to the basement and dry fire something and then dry fire something else and so on and so forth so i've gotten back in the habit of using a timer but also within that I have uh, really been hammering on what I would just consider the basic fundamentals in my dry fire lately. So most of my time dry firing is spent on reloads, draws, transitions. And I mean, I'll vary the target difficulty up and stuff on the transitions. And I will do some other stuff, some movement stuff or, you know, dry fire crisscross or something like that that kind of mixes everything. But I have I have been hammering a lot harder on fundamentals lately and part of that's because i feel like uh my draws have not been as consistent as they normally are especially by this time of the year and reloads have reloads have been pretty consistent as long as they're moving reloads but i've noticed uh 
anytime like a classifier or stand and shoot, reloads have not been as consistent as they should be. So I've been focused on that stuff pretty hard. And like transitions you're going to see on every stage. Um, while the draw is not overly important, you are going to see a draw on pretty much every stage. And then with that, uh, since I've returned to actually working in the office now, I have changed up how I've been practicing a little bit. Instead of going to the range a couple times of the week and shooting for you know four or five hundred rounds, I've I've actually started uh, my indoor range is back open by my house where I have full access to it. So instead of going to the outdoor range and shooting for a few hours and shooting like four hundred rounds, I've been going there, picking one drill and essentially shooting like one drill for a couple hundred rounds, but going you know four times a week instead. I'm liking the results of that too, just because I can really focus in on one thing. And it, well, a lot of times when you're working on multiple drills, they can kind of go together, uh, working on similar skills and stuff. It is kind of nice to just go and like hammer out one thing and, and not really have uh, stuff mixing together. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I definitely think if you're going to, like if you got a set number of rounds you're going to shoot in a week, if you can do more smaller sessions is better than like if you're going to shoot 600 rounds in a week, the worst way to shoot 600 rounds in a week is in one session. Like if you can make that three sessions, that's going to be a more effective use of those 600 rounds. It's, it's not that I have a, a limitation on the rounds for the week. I mean, I mean, right. I, I, I have a limitation for the year of what my budget will allow, but it's, it's plenty that I can shoot basically as much as I sure. have time for. Yeah. But uh, generally what it is, is I was, I was always driving out to the outdoor range because my indoor range was closed. So with that is, you know, it's 45 minute drive each way, having to go out to work. So you're limited on sun time. So you're, you always felt like you were kind of in a rush, but yeah. you also made, you also made such a time commitment to get out there. Like you wanted to do a lot while you were there. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think for me, it's it's at least right now, early in the season like this, it's beneficial for me to shoot more rounds over spread out over more days. Yeah, because it's also it's easier to still get a couple of dry fire sessions in that day as well. You know, because I go straight to the out, or indoor range right after work. I'm home by like six thirty. I can dry fire when I get home, and then dry fire again before bed. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's also a challenge to stay focused for 400 rounds of shooting. Um, I mean, that's just, it's easier. You can stay focused for 200 rounds pretty easy because uh, you, you can burn through, especially if you just got one drill you're set up, you can burn through 200 rounds pretty quick. Uh, and you can you can usually stay pretty, pretty dialed in and focused on that. 400 rounds, 500 rounds, 600 rounds at once. It is a challenge to stay focused. I mean, there's there's a discipline that's involved in that. And the the other benefit too is now that we've actually had uh, I've shot three local matches in the last uh, like four or five weeks now. So the benefit of that is too is it's giving me a match where I've done something where then I can take it back to training to work on. So a couple of weeks ago we had a local match that had some uh, there were twenty five or thirty yard targets, and you know, overall I shot the match pretty well. But when I review the video, it's like. Compared to my squad mates, those far targets, well, the accuracy was pretty good on them. I did not shoot them nearly aggressive as anybody else. So after that, my next practice, you know, I put targets up at 25 yards, and I shot um, 
essentially did only a couple of drills on them, but everything I did that practice was at 20 or 25 yards. And it was primarily focused on just, you know, shooting aggressively, seeing what I could do and get away with on them. It's not something I've done in a while because I typically don't shoot that far back too frequently in practice other than maybe zeroing the guns or, you know, if, uh, if I'm shooting like doubles or something, I'll shoot them at 20 or 25 yards as well. Mm-hmm. But it was it's beneficial to me because like looking at the video and then comparing to what I did at practice, like it was definitely not shot nearly as aggressive as I could. I mean, I probably was splitting at like 60 yards on those targets when if I just do what needs to be done, could have probably saved a second on that stage between those four targets. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely burn a lot of time. So I got a question with that. So like you, because it kind of it kind of goes back to the concept of like you're shooting one drill for like just an entire practice session, a couple hundred rounds for your entire practice session. Um, mm-hmm. So then, so then my question is like you say you spent okay, you spent a entire practice session with everything at twenty five yards. Um, do you feel like a week or two later that like that's still that practice is still effective that you can implement what you did then like it's so like if like at ozarks that's been a that's been a week or two now i think since you've done that ozarks if you've got a stage with there's four targets at 25 yards do you feel like that practice is going to be effective for your shooting in ozarks yes and no and in some ways you know what you can do but i do think I, i'm gonna shoot at 20 or 25 yards again before I go to Ozark also. It was kind of a reminder to implement shooting farther back on a more regular basis in my practice as well. Yeah. And doing something and doing something other than like a one target drill. So instead of shooting the occasional like build drill at 20 or 25 yards or uh, shooting uh, doubles at 20 or 25 yards, like need to do some stuff that has transitions and everything in it. So essentially... Uh, I was basically just shooting a, a basic transition drill. It was the primary part of my practice at 25 yards the other day. Okay. Yeah, because, like, I know, I mean, I shoot at 25 or 30 yards every time I go practice. Like, the, I always just hang a target out there and incorporate that into whatever I'm I'm shooting. But I'm not necessarily shooting specific drills. Like, a, a lot of people set up, like, specific, specific drills. I'm not necessarily doing that. Um yeah, I was just curious if – I mean, I think some people do that. Like, they just like, okay, I had this weakness, so I'm going to go work on that for a practice session. It's like, okay, now it's fixed. Uh, and that doesn't – for me, I've tried that in the past, and it doesn't normally – like, it's fixed for that practice session usually. But then a week later, it needs another practice session, with, like, to fix it again. Like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily stay permanent, whereas I find that trying to do it, like I said, have at least a target at 25 yards – every time I shoot is more effective for me in maintaining that, that longer range accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I always hang one out at least probably at least 20 yards, maybe sometimes further, but just, I feel like just having one out there all the time, uh, uh, it kind of can help you see if you've developed some some sort of trigger pull issues or anything like that, and it'll keep you honest with uh, 
site pictures pretty much. Yeah, and that's probably one area I've gotten kind of lazy is most of my practice is, you know, between like I would say 10 to 15 yards is probably the bulk of it. And then quite a bit of like eh, stretching back to close to 20 on a frequent basis. But the bulk of my practice is up between 10 and 15 yards, which is the bulk of what we see in matches. But there's so much room to gain, I think, on the uh, on the stuff that stretches out a little hard. And plus, if you can hit a 20-yard target easily, I mean, a 10-yard target's quite a bit easier. But I think it's important to keep a balance because if all you ever shoot is stuff that's far away, I definitely think it's going to hinder you on close stuff and shooting as quickly as you need to. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you and I need to like blend our practice sessions because I tend to favor I tend to favor more towards hard far partials. Uh, like, it, like if I set up a practice and my plan is to move targets around, like every time between between when I shoot them, they just end up usually just getting further and further out. Like I just I'll start with them all close. And it's like okay, I nailed that. Okay, now let's just let's just make it. Let's make this target a little bit harder, and then make this target a little bit harder, and then at the end, it's like they're all at like twenty five. It's like well, that wasn't. That's not necessarily the goal of this, but I guess I guess that, so. It sounds yeah. like we need to blend our practice sessions a little bit. You should try uh, doing it opposite. Start with them all at like thirty yards and end your practice with them all at seven. That'd be kind of cool. I might would feel good about a practice session then if I did that. Yeah, you'd go home feeling good. Yeah, I mean, you'd you'd feel like shit when you got there, but you'd go home feeling good. That'd be. I mean, that'd be a nice change, actually. I feel like I knew how to shoot. But the, at the at the end of my practice where I was shooting at 25 yards, I felt really good because the last thing I did was I shot a single build drill at 25 yards. It was it was exactly three seconds all alphas, and they were about a four and a half five inch group. I thought it was a good ending point, so I, after I looked at the target, I just took everything down and headed home. Yeah, that's <laughs> solid. Uh, that's, that's not bad. Two seconds would have been better, but I mean it's it's a start. I can barely I can barely shoot a sub two second build drill at like two or ten yards, so I'm not gonna expect that at twenty five. I'll be I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure I've done less than ten build drills in my entire shooting career. <laughs> like I, like that's not something I I've, I've ever done at I will, all. I will occasionally shoot one, make Probably three or four times a year, I'll, I'll shoot build drills. So, uh, like a week before I, I shot the 25-yard practice session, I was uh, practicing. And when I was finishing up, I had a couple mags of ammo left in them. So, I shot three build drills at seven yards. I got like a 172, a 169, a 172, and I just I called it quits for the day. That was probably faster than I can do one. I probably shot like a hundred build drills my first year really yeah when I mean, me and a buddy got into shooting that's like i mean we practiced but then at the end we just like run a whole bunch of build drills just see who could who could get the fastest build drill that was what we did we just go back and forth see and he was shooting a revolver and i think he still beat me so <laughs> that shows you how slow my finger is I kind of I see the build drill as kind of like a, a diagnostic tool, but not a lot of like training value in it. Like it'll it'll clear, especially at like 15, 20, 25 yards. It'll it'll give you a good idea of what's going on when you're trying to shoot fast. But 
I don't think you're going to get better shooting them. I think it can. I think they can help you learn to see the sides faster. It uh-huh. can. I don't think it automatically does, but I think it can. Okay, uh, put it this way: I think most people are probably wasting ammo if they're shooting more than a handful of build drills a year. I mean, I've, it's always just. I mean, maybe I should spend more time on them, but yeah. uh, they've always just seemed just like ammo burners. Like, it's just like you're just ripping the gun out of the holster as fast as you can and trying to pull a trigger as fast as you can. Yeah, especially at, like, seven yards. At least, like, when you stretch it on back to even, like, 15 or 20, like, it's going to tell you what your grip and stuff is doing while you're shooting. Like, you can you can tell a lot from the target. If you're stringing shots, you know, vertically really bad, so you're not letting the gun return well, or if you're pushing shots to the right or the left. I mean, it, it definitely has value, but it's, it's not something to go to the range and, like, shoot a whole bunch. Shoot it two or three times, see what the target tells you, and then move on. Yeah. I mean, I think... Any drill or any shooting you do, there's going to be value in. Like, like you can't you can't just say, ah, it's just pulling the gun out and seeing how fast you can pull the trigger. Like, I feel like I can just say it's just ripping the gun out and pulling the trigger as fast as you can. But that's at seven seven yards. That's all it is. But that's that's literally all we do. Like, we just rip the gun out and we see how fast we can shoot all the targets. Like, you should do that. You should do that on Saturday. Just rip the gun out and shoot every target as fast as you can. I'm going to. I mean, the problem that's what is I he's do still every shooting time. like 30 splits when he does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't really, there's, there's value you don't, in pretty much any. Anytime you pull the gun out and shoot it, there's something to be learned. It doesn't matter what you shoot. Look at Jeff being all optimistic and positive, and <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. As far as build drill is concerned, I, I just don't see the value in them. But um, as Forrest Gump says, I'm not a smart man. Yeah, you might have won nationals by now if you'd have been doing build drills. Exactly, you probably would have won like all the nationals and world. Yeah, probably would have fixed all my other issues that have kept me from winning nationals. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Okay, so, well, Jared and Jeff, y'all are basically shooting straight up. I mean, single stack versus production. Ozarks, who's going to win? Like, who's feeling the best right now? Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to win, though. I feel like knowing that club and that match – Overcoming the major advantage is probably going to be pretty tough, but I feel oh. good. So you want some? You want a couple percentage points, Jared? No, we're, we're shooting head to head. Yeah, handicap. No, we're, we're shooting head to head. Are we going to be hard to overcome? Can we? Are we going to put something on it? Like <laughs> you got to buy Jeff like a bag of Reese's Dark Thins that he'll eat in like. <laughs> Like 30 seconds? That would not be doing me a favor. That would be oh. detrimental to my health. Jeff, are, are you going to shoot the uh, Old Fort uh, local match the the next day? The next day? No. Yeah, I think we're going to drive on down to uh, Old Fort and shoot it the next day, too. On Sunday? 
Yeah, we're already like halfway there. Really? Yeah. Just, I think that's just wrong. contemplating. I think it's the wrong way for me. <clears throat> yeah, you, just get a get a hotel Saturday night in uh, Foy Smith. No, I'm probably gonna come home. I got like a family and stuff. Exactly. They probably appreciate you being gone. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'll probably go home. But y'all have fun. Uh, well, I'm picking. I'm picking Jeff by one and a half percent. Over, over Jared. Guys, here's the deal. I've had two good weeks of practice, and I've probably shot about 5,000 rounds this year, so I'm feeling pretty salty. Yeah, you're way more naturally talented than me, and I probably haven't shot many more rounds than you. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like Jeff's at his like peak performance right now. Yeah, I'm peaked. If, I wish, if I Nationals wish. was this weekend, he would yeah. dominate. I like, Nils probably wouldn't even show up. <laughs> right. That's probably why Nils didn't come into this match, because he knew Jeff's going to be there. He didn't want to get embarrassed. That's what I heard. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy and I are going to go head-to-head in July. Where at? August. Is it August? August. First oh, weekend not. of August. What match is this? Like Area July. 3. Oh, I'll be there. Oh, are you shooting it, Jared? <clears throat> I thought you weren't going to shoot it. What day are no. you shooting? Saturday and Sunday. Well, why don't you get on Jeff's and I squad? Because I'm already on squad with my friends. Oh, okay. Oh, we're not friends. <laughs> see, I see how that is. He's... We didn't even get an invite. No. Actually, I think I'm on, I think I'm on a squad with the Omaha guys, if I remember right. I think Jared's other friends are nicer than we are. Mm, are you shooting? That. Are you shooting Great Plains? No. I'm trying to. I'm waitlisted for it right now. What about Arkansas sectional? How many no. How many friends are you shooting yep. with? I don't know. All of them. Everybody that I like. So, like, one person? Two people? And I'm bringing my dog. Oh. You're seriously bringing your dog to Nebraska? <laughs> no. Oh. <clears throat> Is Jeff over here looking up the squad matrix? Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to see how many people... It makes people... for a great podcast. Oh, <laughs> I know, it does. <laughs> yeah. You should come shoot the uh, Arkansas sectional. It's the uh, second weekend, or it's uh, the f- yeah second weekend of uh, June. It's over by it's at Casa, so it's uh, near Little Rock. Second weekend of June, man. That means I got to start. Pra- I don't. I'll look. I may look at it right now. My first match of the year is Area Three. I think there's uh, still room on my. I think there's still room on me and Matt's squad. Where's it at? Casa by Little Rock. Uh, that's like a six-hour drive for me. That's not terrible. same for me. I'd have to drive through Ada almost to get there. Hey, you pick could me pick up. Jeff up on the way. 
I'll look at it and see. Uh, I need a I need a match to kick my button gear here lately. I've been slacking. I've been chasing a white ball around. Well, hold on. What's your what's, what's your USPSA number? I'll go ahead and sign you up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta I gotta talk to the white because we are going to Colorado to go camping like the weekend after that. So I gotta see if see if I can be on. I think yeah, it'd be are okay. Are you shooting major or minor at Area 3? You going to have a minor gun? No, I'm shooting major. I shoot major. I'm a man. Good luck with that. John Moses Browning would have made it a minor gun if he wanted you to shoot bitch division. <laughs> uh, it's Area 3 is all I'm saying, so good luck with major gun. Okay, I just, I just looked up my Area 3 squad. I'm with uh, Lane, Mike... Cody and my buddy Corey. So I can't well, switch. You and two friends. You can bring two friends. There's three spots on our squad. You, you can bring two friends. The others have to stay. So what you're saying is I have to I have to ditch Cody. <laughs> yeah, he's from the other podcast anyway that we won't name him, but are we are you gonna be loyal to your podcast or not? Oh, wait, are you guys on a, a afternoon squad? Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> it's actually not bad. I've shot it the last, I've shot the afternoon squad the last two years, and I've actually kind of liked it, because you get to, like, sleep in in the morning. And yeah, it's it's a little bit warmer, but it's only a half day. Like, it's not that, it's really not that bad. Um, so I've I've actually enjoyed being on the afternoon squad the last few last few days, last few years, I mean. I like the morning squad because then I can go back to the hotel and take a shower before I have to drive four hours back. Yeah, I don't care about that. I'll just get in the car and drive. And it's like 13 hours from, well, it's 11 hours for me, so. You driving the whole way? After the match, I'll drive like four or five hours and get a hotel. Okay. I won't, I won't drive we're, all the way back usually. We're just rambling at this point. Let's go ahead and pinch mm-hmm. this one off. And uh, we'll record another one later. Stop recording, damn it. Unless you all got <laughs> Y'all have any closing remarks, anything real quick? Oh, didn't, you, didn't you have a question? For this well, podcast? I did, but I was waiting for it to ask yeah. it, and then Jeff just said we're going to end it. So now, I, now it's like yeah. awkward now. Do I yeah. ask a question, or do we just end it because it's past Jeff's bedtime? This is a listener question, right? Yeah, it's a listener question. Yeah, let's let's do another one. Do it for a different podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So is all this gonna still stay in our podcast? It'll be a great ending to the show. Yeah. I think it should. <laughs> great. Fantastic. We are we are the professional <laughs> otherwise known as the Hit Factor podcast. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Stop recording, damn it.